The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading and tomorrow's reading are from Seneca's letter number 18, um, in, subtitled uh, On Festivals and Fasting. Now, let me explain why we're doing this. Um, tomorrow is the fast day of, the, of Asara Batavis, and I thought it'd be interesting to do uh, examine the similarities and differences between the Stoic idea of fasting and the Jewish idea of fasting. Uh, and uh, this letter happens to, uh, from Seneca, happens to deal with it. Um, the letter is actually too long to include in the show notes, so I'll uh, just include a link to the free PDF version. And we're going to do half of the letter today and half of the letter tomorrow. And uh, I'll interject, uh, since the text of the letter is long, then I'll, I'll interject with, um, with the various points rather than uh, reading through the whole thing. So, uh, this is a letter to, like all of his letters, this is a letter to Lucilius, uh, his student. It is the month of December, and yet the city is at this very moment in a sweat. License is given to general merrymaking. Everything resounds with mighty preparations, as if the Saturnalia differed at all from the usual business day. So true it is that the difference is nil, that I regard as correct the remark of the man who said, once December was a month, now it is a year. Okay, so I'm sure many of our non-Jewish friends can relate to that. uh, you know, the month-long preparations around Christmas and uh, New Year's, um, which have, you know, kind of uh, taken up the mantle, taken the place of Saturnalia in our society. Um, uh, I just wanted to stop here and note the fact, I was discussing this with, with a friend, uh, and uh, he pointed out that, you know, there were lots of ancient pagan festivals, um, you know, in the winter. And uh, that reminded me of an excellent blog post that I read uh by Rabbi Joshua Maruf entitled The Celebration of Hanukkah, Rededicating the Original Winter Festival. Um, and uh, I'll include a link to that in, in the show notes here. But um, just to give us a, a teaser, so Rabbi Maruf points out the the fact that there are zero winter holidays in Torah. Okay, our last holiday of the year is Shemini Atzeres, which is at the end of the Harvest Festival. And we don't have any other holiday until uh, until Pesach in the spring. Okay. So the entire, that entire, you know, six months, uh, is, uh, is, is without any holidays, but the rabbis instituted Hanukkah in the winter. And Rabbi Maruf has a very interesting theory based on a, uh, uh, or at least prompted by a midrash. And I, I encourage you to read it. I know Hanukkah is over, but I, I think there's still value. Hanukkah is over for this year, at least there's still value in reading what he has to say, because it also, uh, reflects, uh, our attitude or the Torah's attitude towards the non-Jewish, um, winter holidays. Okay. Anyway, back to the letter. Seneca continues, if I had you with me, I should be glad to consult you and find out what you think should be done, whether we ought to make no change in our daily routine or whether in order not to be out of sympathy with the ways of the public, we should dine in gayer fashion and doff the toga. As it is now, we Romans have changed our dress for the sake of pleasure and holiday making, though in former times that was only customary when the state was disturbed and had fallen on evil days. Um, footnote here, I, I read somewhere that that uh, the toga used to be... Um, 
uh, a uh, a uniform for um, for for bad times, and then somehow it became uh, the the <laughs> the the costume or the dress for pleasure and holiday making. Uh, I, I find that interesting. All right, um, I'm sure he goes on. I'm sure that if you if I know you are right, playing the part of an umpire, you would have wished that we should be neither like the liberty capped throng in all ways nor in all ways unlike them, unless perhaps this is just the season when we ought to lay down the law to the soul and bid it be alone in refraining from pleasures just when the whole mob has let itself go in pleasures. For this is the surest proof um, which a man can get of his own constancy if he neither seeks the things which are seductive and allure him into luxury, nor is led into them. So he's he's basically saying right now that um, that you might say, Lucilius, that uh, we should just refrain from all pleasure and merrymaking here. Um, but now he's going to give his own inter- opinion. So Seneca goes says, It shows much more courage to remain dry and sober when the mob is drunk and vomiting, but it shows greater self-control to refuse to withdraw oneself and to do what the crowd does, but in a different way, thus neither making oneself conspicuous nor becoming one of the crowd, for one may keep the holiday without extravagance. So when I read this, I associated it to how we do simcha rejoicing on our holidays, on Yom Tov. So, you know, we definitely hold in Judaism that that the festivals should be celebrated with, uh, with you know, merrymaking, right, uh, with meat and wine and food and celebrations. But we have the halacha of chatzil Hashem, chatzil Hashem, half for Hashem, half for for you, uh, which the Rambam codifies in the Mishnah Torah Sefer's Manim Hilchos Shvizos Yom Tov 619, where he says, even though eating and drinking on the festivals is included within the positive commandment, a person should not eat and drink the entire day. Rather, this is the program. In the morning, the entire populace wakes up early and goes to the synagogues and study halls where they pray and read in the Torah about the themes of the day. Then they return to their houses to eat, after which they go back to the study halls to read and learn until midday. After midday, they pray the afternoon prayer and return to their houses to eat and drink for the remainder of the day until the night. So in other words, um, the program is you spend the first half of the day involved primarily in activities that are, are Lashem, that are for Hashem, so to speak. Obviously, you're not benefiting Hashem, but uh, basically learning and praying. Uh, and then the second half of the day is Lachem, is for you, is eating and drinking. So the first explanation I ever heard of this, I don't remember where I heard it from, was that you know the human being is uh, is a hybrid creature, so to speak. We have a uh, an immaterial tzelem elokim, uh, truth seeking intellect, uh, which is our higher nature, and then we also have a, uh, a body which we share with the animals uh, and a psyche, and and therefore the form that rejoicing takes on the holidays is to is to you know have joy for both halves of the body. But then I heard a shear from my Rosh Hashiva uh, several years ago. And the upshot of the shear was that really the essential uh, the essential rejoicing is the eating and drinking. However, if we just ate and drank, then it would be indistinguishable from an animalistic uh, indulgence. And so what we do is we, we spend the first half of the day uh, catering to our higher nature. And what that does is it qualifies the, the, the physical pleasures and psychological pleasures we engage in afterwards in a truly human fashion. In other words, it's a different eating and drinking uh, on the afternoons of Yom Tov when you've spent the morning learning and davening. So I thought that that was a good, um, uh, that's, that's the Jewish take on this idea of, uh, of, of not uh, merrymaking like, the, like the, uh, the masses do. Okay, then he said, uh, going on with Seneca again, 
Uh, and so this is where he starts talking about fasting. I am so firmly determined, however, to test the constancy of your mind that drawing from the teachings of great men, I shall give you a lesson. Set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare, with coarse and rough dress, saying to yourself all the while, is this the condition that I feared? So he's advising him basically set aside a couple of days and eat really, really low quality foods and wear really low quality garments. Seneca goes on. It is precisely in times of immunity from care that the soul should toughen itself beforehand for occasions of greater stress. And it is while fortune is kind that it should fortify itself against her violence. In days of peace, the soldier performs maneuvers, throws up earthworks with no enemy in sight, and wearies himself out, uh, wearies himself by gratuitous toil in order that he may be equal to unavoidable toil. If you would not have a man flinch when the crisis comes, train him before it comes. Such is the course with those men have, uh, which those men have followed, who, in their imitation of poverty, have every month come almost to want, that they might never recoil from that which they had so often rehearsed. You need not suppose I mean meals like Timon's or pauper's huts, or any other device which luxurious millionaires use to beguile the tedium of their lives. Let the palate be a real one, and let the coarse cloak, uh, and the coarse cloak. Let the bread be hard and grimy. Endure all these for three or four days at a time, sometimes for more, so that it may be a test of yourself instead of a mere hobby. Then I assure you, my dear Lucilius, you will leap for joy when filled with a penny worth of food, and you will understand that a man's peace of mind does not depend upon fortune, for even when angry, she grants enough for our needs. So um, he is, uh, again, he's advising Lucilius to set aside several days where you have uh, coarser food and coarser garments. And basically practice an imitation or uh, a um, what's the word I'm looking for a better than fake. Uh, there's a, I'm, I'm I'm losing word right here, but um uh, a, uh, a a practice form of poverty so that you'll prepare yourself for when the real thing comes if it comes, you know, um, so that you you accustom yourself to saying like, is this really as bad as I feared to only eat like bread and water, you know, for for several days? And he says do it for several days, so it's not just like a passing thing. Okay, so. Um, the question is like this, is, is there a common, is there a similar practice in Judaism? Now, I, I, uh, I kind of um, led you on through the title by saying that we're going to compare Judaism's idea of fasting uh, to the Stoic idea of fasting. In my opinion, there is an element of this in fasting, but the real time when we do this actually is in our festivals, okay? Uh, the Rambam writes in the Mor Nebuchim 343 um, as one of the reasons for uh, Pesach and Sukkot. He says, as for the moral reason, so he's giving uh, the moral uh, dimension of Pesach and Sukkot, it is that man should always remember the days of bad amid the days of good, so that his gratitude to God should become great, and so that he should achieve humility and submissiveness. Accordingly, matzah and maror must be eaten on Pesach to remind us of what happened to us. Similarly, we leave our houses and dwell in huts, as is done by those who toil in the deserts and wastelands, in order to remember that this was our situation in times before. Uh... Uh, as the Pasuk says, that I made the children of Israel dwell in huts, etc., and that we were moved from this situation to dwell in richly ornamented houses in the best and most fertile places on earth due to Hashem's kindnesses and his promise to our fathers, inasmuch as they were perfected people in their philosophical outlook and their moral character. I'm referring to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, for this too is one of the pivots of the Torah. I mean, the belief that every benefit that we that will be or has been granted is due to Zuchus Avos, the merit of the forefathers, since Quote, they kept the way of Hashem to do righteousness and justice, end quote. So, like Seneca, um, Seneca said, is precisely in times of immunity from care that the soul should toughen itself beforehand for occasions of greater stress. Um, so, uh, 
um, that's what we're doing is in times of immunity from care on our festivals, on our holidays, when we have no other concerns, we don't just go all out on luxury and, uh, and um, opulence. We afflict ourselves, as Seneca said, for several days by on Pesach eating matzah and no chametz, right? Uh, talk to almost any Jew and you'll find that, that they regard that as an affliction to give up. Like they can't eat whatever they want. We can't eat whatever we want on Pesach, right? I say they because I'm, I'm, it doesn't bother me so much. <laughs> um, but uh, um, And then on Sukkot, when we have, you know, especially in the olden days when we had the ingathering of the harvest and we're, this would be the time to take pride and to enjoy the wealth that we've amassed, the Torah kicks us out of our homes and we dwell in booths and sleep outside. Now, and this is an experience of akin to an experience of poverty of, of people who have no homes and who sleep outside, right? Now, one of the key differences you'll notice is, first of all, I think it's, it's hilarious that like Seneca specifically says, I'm not talking about things like pauper's huts. Now, I don't know what pauper's huts he's talking about, but that's exactly what the Torah does prescribe is, is living in a pauper's hut, you know? But one of the, one of the stark differences is that the Stoics are viewing this as preparation for the future, that you should rehearse poverty now um, so that you can be prepared for it when it comes. The Torah, though, is looking at this um, about, uh, is looking at the past, is you should remember the days of bad amid the times of good. And remember that where, where we came from, which was slaves and, and dwellers in the desert, and Hashem has brought us to this time where we have comfort and wealth and success. And and we're supposed to remember the kindnesses that he did for us and also remember why he did them for us, which was because of the Avos, because of the forefathers who were perfected in their ways and uh, and uh, and who who actually deserved, you know, Hashem's beneficence in, in this manner, unlike uh, ourselves. So I think it's an interesting contrast. Um, I don't think, again, that the, uh, I don't think that, that, you know, we should disregard Seneca's take on this practice of poverty, meaning when you are observing Pesach and giving up your chametz, and when you're observing sukkahs and living outside, um, it is a way to practice for, you know, to, 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 to practice poverty the way that he's saying. Um, and, uh, you know, the ideas can be, can, can both, you know, coexist. Uh, but I just don't think that that's according to the Ramam, at least that's not what the Torah is trying to accomplish through this. Um, and um, I also wanted to add here, again, we're going we're gonna to talk more about this tomorrow uh, when we talk about fasting. But that last thing that Seneca said of um, after you've gone through this, then you'll be able to leap for joy when filled with a penny worth of food. So Rabbi Moskowitz always used to say that, uh, that for him, at least, the real purpose of, of fasting on Yom HaKippurim was not during the fast, but he said the the real test is how do you relate to food afterwards? And you'll see a lot of people when they break their fast will just scarf down food, you know, and they uh, they they will they'll leap upon their food with that fant fantasy based relationship with food, like like somehow like I'm going to die if I don't eat food, or I just need to indulge myself, or I just got to get this pleasure. And what Ryan Moskowitz's point was, was that if you, you fast properly, it should cause you to reflect on your relationship with food. 
and then you'll be able to partake of the food after the fast with a with greater equanimity and uh, a more realistic and objective relationship to that pleasure. Uh, this theme will be explored a little bit more tomorrow, but um, I think that's enough for today. I've already gone over my uh, my usual time, understandably so, because this is a Seneca letter and uh, not a, an Aurelius paragraph. So that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi the link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.